that stuff. Man, there is a lot to be excited about and a lot going on. And we have had a hard time putting it all in person in front of you. So make sure you pay attention to your bulletins and make sure to pay attention to our website and our video announcements. So um, welcome, welcome. We have had um, a really fun time going through our transformation series. We've been learning about transformation and, and why transformation is such a special word to Grace Chapel. And it's because it's in our vision statement, um, lives transformed by the um, gospel of Jesus Christ. And two weeks ago, we kicked this service off, or this series off, with the transformative gospel, uh, which is the good news that God loved us so much that he gave his son to die for us and was raised again for our sake. Uh, and in that message, we learned that the gospel transformation, it transforms our identity. That's what the gospel does. It transforms us from the inside out. We were old creatures, and when we put our faith in Jesus, we become new, and we are uh, basically gone from a caterpillar to a butterfly, which is why we use that, that image with the video. And last week, we talked about our response, our response to this gospel, so this amazing good news that we've been, we've been given this new life, this new chance through Jesus, and then last week, we talked about our response to that good news. Last week, we talked about um, worship. And how worship reminds us who God is, what he has done for us, and who we are because of it. And when we worship God, it brings us that truth, it reminds us of our identity, and it gives us peace because of those things. Um, and, and so the transformative worship reminds us of our identity and gives us peace. And today, which I am really excited about, today we get to look at his word, the Bible. This thing right here that we all carry around. If you don't carry around one of these, you probably have an app on your phone that's even smaller. Um, it's the Bible, and it's, it's trans, the transformative Bible that we get to look at. Um, the transformative Bible doesn't transform our identity. Okay, we talked about that. It doesn't transform our identity. That's what the gospel does. The Bible doesn't give us peace. Worship does that. But the Bible does something, and it's something really Really cool. The Bible transforms and shapes us and informs our actions, our decisions, and our knowledge. And so that's what we're going to look at. And it's a great, great thing. But here's the deal. This week, I got a crash course reminder of how crazy this life can be. The world throws crazy stuff at us. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but I want to be prepared. I don't want to go through life, and I don't want to teach my kids to go through life ducking and weaving and just, just hoping nothing really bad happens to me because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to deal with it or not. I want to be ready for anything, and I want to train and suit up so when the bottom of this thing called life falls out from under us, we can rely on our training. We can rely on our training. You know, almost uh, every military force, there is a philosophy that is shared, and each branch of our military uses this philosophy, and they have different cool ways to say it. But this is the idea. It's not if, but when things go really, really wrong, you can rely on your training. And the truth is, is you will rely on your training. But maybe a better question is, is what kind of training do we have? How have we equipped ourselves for this thing called life? Today we get to talk about training. We get to talk about what that looks like. 
And this week, like I said earlier, was a good reminder that things can go wrong really quickly. And you think you're on a path, you think you got the rails, you think you're all set, and all of a sudden things start to fall apart and you go, whoa, nothing is the way I thought it was going to be. What kind of training do I have? What kind of training do you have? That is the question. Let's begin this morning with prayer. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would be here, Lord, and I ask that you would equip us, that you would train us for the life that you called us to live. God, I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid of what life could do to me. I want to trust you, and I want to trust the words that you've spoken. So God, I ask as we look at your word this morning that that you would speak to us. God, that this wouldn't be my words, that this would be your words, and we could all learn from you, our Lord and our Savior. Jesus, we love you. And God, it's scary to love you because we don't know what it really means. We don't know what our life really will look like. So I ask that you would show us that you would allow us to feel equipped and prepared to handle the life that you've called us to live. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen. All right, here we go. Let's take a look. By the way, side note, if you don't have one of these bad boys, you need to get yourself one, and I will personally buy you one if you do not have a Bible. So if you find yourself in church for the first, second, or third time, and you're not really sure what this whole scripture thing is about, and you want one, there's a free app. on you. It's called Version. Go download it. You can get it for free. But if you want an actual Bible, it's a big deal to me, and it's a big deal to Grace Chapel that you get a, 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 a Bible of your own that you can spend time with and you can look at and you can pray, um, pray over. Um, so I'm going to read to you out of my Bible, um, and, and we're going to look at our passage is 2 Timothy 3. There's a lot of numbers in this passage. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, verses 14 through 17. So we're going to pick it up. And, and uh, 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy are letters from Paul, who is writing to his uh, protege, his mentee, uh, Timothy. And Timothy is, a, is a, a young pastor in a foreign place, and he's got all kinds of struggles that he's dealing with. And Paul is writing these letters to him to encourage him and to give him instruction. So listen to what Paul says to Timothy in verse 14 of chapter 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There you have it. That's what this thing is for. It's to equip us. And this thing, this whole idea of trustworthiness, and in today's day and age, you have to prove your trustworthiness. You have to prove that you're trustworthy, or or the thing that you're relying on has to be proved that it's trustworthy. So how can we trust this? How can we trust this? What makes this thing trustworthy? And Paul tells Timothy he can trust the knowledge because he knows his teachers. Did you catch that in the first verse? Timothy, you can trust what you've learned 
because you know who taught it to you. Timothy didn't get what he's learning from YouTube, okay? He didn't get it from the World Wide Web. He didn't get it from that guy he barely knows. He got the information that he has from people that are trustworthy and he knows them. This is why we can trust this. It's because we know the author. We know the author. We know him. And and I'm, I'm here to tell you that if you don't know him, the first thing you need to know about him is that he invites you to get to know him. There's no veil, there's no hidden mystery, there's no secrets. He lays himself out for us to know because he loves us and he longs for us. And and that's proven in his gospel, the fact that Jesus died for us so that we could know him and know him well. So this is one one of the first reasons why we can trust scripture is because we know the author. And we know the author spoke the words through men who wrote it down. So we know its author. That's one of the reasons why it's trustworthy. Another reason that it's trustworthy, and this goes into that we know the author, is how he authored the scripture. How God authored the scripture. And we use this term here at Grace Chapel and in scripture and in other places, that it's God-breathed. Now, I remember reading passages like this as a kid and going, well, what in the world does God breathe me? Does that mean like he took it and and on a day that he had really bad breath, you know, like what does it mean? It's such a weird thing to say, God breathe. I don't tell my son, oh, 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 son, you can can read my journal because that's Josh breathe. (laughs) It's real stuff. Smells a little bit like garlic. No. What does God breathe mean and why should we care? God breathed. God breathed means out of God, these words came. So we can trust that God breathed this into existence. And I could probably tell you in a series of 52 weeks or so why and how we got the text that we have today. It is very technical and very detailed. But the truth of the matter is that God breathed it And men in the scripture wrote it down, and it became our doctrine. So, the first bullet point in your bulletin says this. The transformative Bible is trustworthy because it's God-breathed. Meaning, we know how he wrote it down, and and, and we know that he's trustworthy because we, we know him. And this is what God wanted to say to you. He didn't put it in an email. He didn't throw it up on Facebook. He didn't even send you a personal messenger. He wrote it down so that you could know it. Before time, God said, this is what God said, I'll I'll talk to these people this way. He he ordained this into existence. I'll speak to men and women, and and they'll write it down, and those writings will be preserved throughout the generations so that generation upon generation upon generation will know my thoughts. The transformative Bible is trustworthy because it is God-breathed. And our trust in God is wrapped up in the fact that he knows how to communicate with us. How well could you trust God? your partner or your friend or your husband or your wife if they never spoke to you or if the way they spoke to you, you didn't understand. There wouldn't be a lot of trust wrapped up in that. 
Our trust in God is wrapped up in the fact that he knows how to communicate to us. He isn't trustworthy if he can't or won't communicate. It's another way to look at it. But he did communicate, and he did it really, really effectively in the Holy Scriptures. And this book, this is what's so crazy. This, this work, this group of works, can be applied to your life today, or it can be applied to your life 2,000 years ago. It works, and it's good because it's God-breathed. God thought about you before time began, and he said, what does that person need to know? The most important things that person needs to know, I'm going to record. And I'm going to have my crew do it for me. So, just to repeat it, the transformative Bible is trustworthy because it's God-breathed. Any opportunity I get to work the gospel into the message, I will. And it fits here. It's all about the transformative gospel. The Bible has been and will continue to be abused. That's the reality of sin in our world. They go to, the, they go to God's word, and it can be used and, and, and twisted because of this simple fact. We forget who God is, and therefore, we forget who we are. That's why Scripture is abused and misused and misunderstood. Because it's split up into little pieces and it's pulled out of context and there's these strange little sayings and and sentences and paragraphs and we can say, see, if we pull it out of the context and we put it over here and look, see, it means this thing. And we forget. We forget about our identity and we forget about God's identity. We forget about his gospel. Have you ever heard the passage in scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Just Google it. (laughs) You can get people's response. To many, many people who take that out of context, that means if I want the cherry red Corvette, I'm going to go down to the dealership and I'm going to get it because I can do all things. Big, long pause. Eh, through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> that means to some people that Christ literally pushes them to go get the cherry red Corvette. I love Corvettes, by the way, in case you couldn't tell. But that's not what it means. And they go down and they get denied. <laughs> There's pretty steep payments on that Corvette. Didn't work out the way I'd hoped. What's wrong? Scripture must be wrong, right? No, it's the the idea that when my will matches God's will, the almighty creator of everything, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who calls himself the great I am, when my will matches his will, I could do anything. I could do anything that he wants me to do. Because he gives me strength to accomplish the things that he wants seen accomplished. And I'm not going to tell you yes or no if God wants you to have the cherry red Corvette. That's for you to decide. (laughs) We forget who we are. And we forget who he is. And we forget what he did for us. So the next point, number two in your bulletin, the transformative Bible brings us wisdom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, a lot of people like to stop at wisdom. Oh, the Bible brings us wisdom. So we can be smart, we can be intelligent, we can get the things that we need, and we can move on. But there's this little piece through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Understanding the gospel is the gateway to understanding the Bible. 
And this is why it's so important that I tell you often and I tell myself often who God is, what he's done for us, and who you are because of it. We got to start with the foundational stuff before this starts to make any sense at all. Because if you don't read it through the lens of who God is, what he's done, and what he's done, and, and who we are because of it, you start to get sidetracked. And this is why the gospel is such a big deal to a lot of the New Testament authors. It's because we got to get that basic piece. We have to understand that Jesus died for us. That we didn't do this on our own. It's not because of our own strength or our own ability or our own intelligence or wisdom or education or any of those things that we are able to be wise. It's through Jesus Christ that we're able to be wise. The Bible does not give us worldly wisdom. And it is difficult to tell the difference. But the Bible doesn't give us worldly wisdom. It gives us Jesus wisdom. This is the one where if, if, if your brother strikes you, you turn the other cheek. Meaning, if you want to take advantage of me, go ahead. <laughs> That's not worldly wisdom, right? That's Jesus wisdom. That's if somebody says, hey, can I borrow your cloak? You say, you know what? Take my shirt too. That's Jesus wisdom. Worldly wisdom says, don't be taken advantage of. Jesus' wisdom says, let people take advantage of you if you can show them who Jesus is. That's not worldly wisdom. That's Jesus' wisdom. The wisdom you receive from the Bible shows you how to serve, how to love, and how to sacrifice for Christ. It's not self-seeking. It's not a guide to comfort or a guide to wealth or a guide to ease. And we often misunderstand what the Bible is supposed to do for us. I, I do this. Sorry, pastor confession time. I, a lot of times, will forget what this does for us. Sometimes we think it makes us cleaner. Like, if I just read it more, I'll be clean I'll be better, I'll be more holy, I'll be more valuable if I know this. And that is a sneaky, sneaky lie. Point number three, the transformative Bible acts as a guide to equip us for good works God has planned for us. It's a guide. It's not an identity boost. It's a guide. It's not something that you just makes you a smarter and better person. This thing sharpens us. It, it gives us courage for the storm clouds that are on the horizon. You can see the storm coming and you're going, okay, gear up. Here we go. It's going to be rough. It gives us courage. It's a rudder when you're actually in the storm that you saw coming miles away. It gives us the direction Listen to what Paul says to a church, the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 2.10. Paul says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, not to survive, not to escape, not to duck and weave, no, no, but to do good works, and not random good works either. God prepared these good works in advance for us to do. And if you just think about that passage for a minute, that means that God knew you were going to be born. He knew who you were. He even knew you were going to trust him. 
and he sets something up for you to do. Maybe some of it's just one thing. Maybe some of us, it's many, 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 many things. But there is a point to the crazy in your life, okay? I'm here to tell you first off. It doesn't feel like it, but there's a direction God has you on, and he wants you to respond to life a certain way. And here Paul calls them good works. I think the phrase good works has gotten dirty uh, over, over years culturally. All oh, good works. Everybody's all about good works. And it's like this way to say something that's fake. It's all about the good works. But the good works lead us to something and they reflect something. And God has these things set up for us. So if we follow him and we're, and we're prepared and we're equipped and trained for when this thing happens, we can respond in a way that reflects God's love. Those are the good works. The transformative Bible acts as a guide to equip us for good works God has planned for us. And this last thing that I want to mention, this, all the stuff that we've said before hangs on this idea. The truth is, is this thing is powerful. It's been used to justify slavery. It's been used to justify war. The Crusades came from there, or so they thought. But, this thing is powerful, but the power doesn't come from its depth. And I'm here to tell you, its depth is impressive. The power doesn't come from its complexity, although that is dizzying. Just sit through a third-year Greek a Koine Greek class in seminary and, you're, and, and your brain starts to melt and you're going, I, I don't know if I understand even what the guy's saying, let alone apparently what this thing is saying. It's complex and it's difficult to understand if you get deep into it. But that's not where the power comes from. The power comes from what we do with it. It's God-breathed. It's 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 the thing that he wants us to know. And man, humans, we have this crazy ability to just have this amazing thing bounce off us. And we just go, wow, that's great. I'm glad Jesus died for me. Moving on. Its power comes from what we do with the text. Studying it, reading it, meditating it, memorizing, all those things will deceive us if we don't take James's warning. James is another author in the New Testament, and I'm going to read to you James 1, 22 through 25, and my friend Dwayne will hopefully, if the computer holds out, will put that passage up here as I read this. Listen to what James says to his church in Jerusalem. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James gives us a warning. We can wrap our lives around understanding this thing. But if we don't do it, it's rendered powerless. 
And that's why number four in your bulletin is the transformative Bible must be acted upon in order for it to transform our lives. It has to be acted upon. And you might think this is funny, or you might think this is hard to believe, but I know people that have spent their entire lives, they've built careers around this thing. They've spent years and years studying it. They can read it in its original languages. They even write commentaries and Greek dictionaries, and they, and they spend so much time, but they don't do it, and it becomes a career. We can read it, we can study it, we can memorize it, we can meditate on it, we can get degrees that prove that we at some point in our life studied it, right? We can have a career built on it. The Bible has the power of changing everything, and it's a game changer if we do what it says. All those things before are for naught unless we do what it says. So the transformative Bible must be acted upon in order for it to transform our lives. And this is the truth this morning. The Bible transformation equips us to do the work God has for us. It doesn't change our identity. The gospel does that. And it doesn't bring us peace. Worship does that. This thing equips us to do the work that God has for us. And remember, you're going to rely on your training. The question is, is what kind of training have you been giving yourself? Many want to make the book the goal. Many want to make the Bible their identity, and they build their identity on how well they know it, how much they've memorized of it. They want to prove to the world that they're valuable because they understand it. They want to prove that they're worthy. And that is so, so sad because they've forgotten two things. They've forgotten that the transformational gospel of Jesus reveals God's jealous love for them. You don't have to wrap your identity around the Bible. Just do what it says. <laughs> wrap your identity around the fact that God loves you and died for you. That's your identity. The other sad thing that they've forgotten is transformational worship produces peace, not this book. In fact, this book sets you apart from the world, and that does not bring peace. That brings conflict. These sad souls go around trying to prove themselves. The Bible has become a source of pride for them. And the sad part is, is Jesus died for them so that they would know how much he loves them. And we can read about these people in Scripture. Many of them in the New Testament were called Pharisees or Sadducees. Some of the scribes and teachers really struggled with this. They dedicated their entire life from knowing the Scripture. And they were even better at it than we are, even with our technology. Many of them could recite the entire Old Testament by memory. They had found their identity based on how well they knew the Scripture. Many of people today still struggle with the same identity crisis. 
They don't know how really valuable they are. That's what's so sad about the Pharisees. So many times we read about the Pharisees as these, oh, bad guys that just want to get Jesus and, ah, they're bad. No, they're dying souls, and they've misunderstood. And Jesus even weeps over them and says, you're missing it. I love you. And you think it's about memorization. Memorization is wonderful if it can drive you to action. (laughs) Studying the scripture, I would recommend you do daily when it informs you of your identity and how you are to live because of it. Remember how valuable you are. You're worth God's only son's blood. And he gave it for you freely. Remember the Bible doesn't give us our identity. The gospel does that. And remember it doesn't give us peace. Worship does that. Remember the Bible transformation equips us to do the work God has for us. And the sooner we can all see scripture this way, the better we're going to be and the better this church is going to be and the better this world is going to be. The Bible is God writing down everything we need to know to prepare us for what lies ahead. It's a road map. Augustine of Hippo said it this way, the Holy Scriptures are letters from home. We're in a foreign land and we're living out a life that the, the Father wants us to live And a lot of times we need to be equipped to understand what's happening. So God writes us a letter. You could even think about it this way. God sees what you're going through in the present and goes, I'm going to go back in time and I'm going to write him a letter. And that letter is called the Bible and it's going to help him deal with the situation he's in right now. If that helps you understand it better. The letters from home. God in all his wisdom said, I'd like to tell my child the most important thing they need to know. I'll get Moses to write it for me. (laughs) I'll get Isaiah to write some of it. I'll get David to write some of it and some Solomon and a lot of the kings and a lot of the prophets. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they'll spend some time on it. Don't forget about this guy named Paul that we seem to talk about every Sunday. They're going to be my writing team, and I'm going to give them these ideas, and they're going to record them down, and they're going to be careful about it. I'm going to inspire them to be careful so that they actually get the ideas that I want my child to know. And then 2,000 years later, when my child picks it up, they can read letters from home, and that's what it is. And the Bible is used for so many horrible things, and when I see it done that way, it breaks my heart. Because I remember what it's really about. It's incredibly complex and deep, and it can be twisted to turn into saying whatever we seem to want it to say. It's why we have to remember it equips us. Knowing isn't enough. Wow. Ever thought your pastor would say that? Knowing the Bible isn't enough. Studying it isn't enough. Memorizing and meditating on it isn't enough. We have to do it. Because it equips us. We have to remember that the transformational Bible equips us. Yes, us. You and I to do his work. This is why I want you to remember the four points. The first one, we already talked about it. It's it's trustworthiness. It's a trustworthy thing. 
The second thing is its wisdom is through the gospel. It's not worldly wisdom. It's Jesus' wisdom that starts with he died for you. That's the wisdom that Scripture takes you and gives you. And it prepares us. And you might go, I'm not sure I need much preparation. Just wait till next week. (laughs) Wait till the week that you have when everything seems to come apart. You're going to want to rely on it then. And number four, it must be acted on or it's a waste. You have to act on it. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity we have had, the brief moment (laughs) to look at your word, to to study it, to, to let it saturate our soul and our heart. And God, I I ask that you would inspire every person in here to pick up their Bible and to remember that your gospel changes our identity and worship gives us peace and this thing, this Bible equips us for the life that we are to live. God, I ask that we would spend time in it, that we would memorize it, that it would would mesmerize us, that we would be obsessed with understanding it and doing it because we want to live the life you've called us to live. God, I ask that we wouldn't misuse it. I ask that we wouldn't take pieces and parts of it out of context. I ask that it would be a guide for us. And Jesus, you are already doing a mighty, mighty thing in this church. Holy Spirit, I can sense your presence in you moving, and I thank you for that. Lord, inspire us and give us the diligence to buckle down and equip ourselves for the things that are coming. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for what you're doing here in this place. In your name, amen.